Hi guys, it's me, Melise, aka MJ again with Owning This Life and we have another special guest. So, this lady I've been following since my natural hair journey, which is a good five years now. Um, and I followed her specifically because I had no idea what the heck I was doing, <laughs> right? But I follow her consistently now because I see how she's changed and how she's evolved. Her name is Aisha Riley. She's got a beautiful surname. Oh, <laughs> and she is a natural hair blogger. Um, she also talks now about family and having a little son who is gorgeous, by the way. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't have a daughter to pay la bola for that now. <laughs> but um, yes, and I, I wanted to have her here just to talk to you guys about who she is because we see her on Instagram all the time. Um, I follow her religiously. I'm still Krish a little bit. But um, I want to get to know you a little better and let people know who you are, how you started all of this. And at the moment, you're an influencer of note for me because I feel like there's so many people who are influencers on, on, on social media, but they, they talk about stuff that you need to attain as opposed to real life topics. Mm. Um, so I've actually recently stopped following all of those people. Yeah. But uh, I love watching your stuff and especially the latest videos you've been doing with your husband, which is great to see. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you actually even started the natural hair journey and blogging about it. Wow. Um, well, firstly, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I, I started, well, I always have to calculate, um, eight years ago. Um, I started my natural hair journey eight years ago to cut a, a long story a bit shorter um i've always had an issue with my hair but mm. i didn't realize it until i was what maybe 25 um i went for a relaxer i had just taken braids out mm. i'd actually gone to the salon to remove my braids and relax my hair mm. this is something i've been doing for years you know and i never had an issue with it i was always like my hair is strong it's hard yeah, it's, yeah. you know um and uh, despite the stylists advising me against it, mm. I still went ahead and said, no, I am not leaving the salon until my hair is straight. Mm. It, it had gone to that point where I was just like, and they told me, listen, come back in a week, two weeks. I said, no, I can't leave the salon no. with this hair. Mm. I mean, I had a few months worth of growth. So it was maybe about that, you know, a centimeter or two, but yeah. that on its own already caused such a discomfort in me. Um, so because I forced them to, I insisted, they relaxed my hair. And what do you know? I'd say about three quarters of my hair fell out. <laughs> oh. Um, so they told me so, uh, this had never really happened before. So I was really quite shocked. And, um, you know, I, I left the salon, my husband, he was my boyfriend at the time, had, you know, picked me up. And usually when I have a new hair situation, he always, he's always very complimentary. He always tells me, oh, you look good, babe. Mm. And this time I got into the car and he just looked at me and asked me what, what happened, <laughs> you know? Um, and, you know, at, at first I thought, oh, is it that bad, you know? And when I got home, I saw that, you know, my hair was quite uneven. And you know that freshly relaxed look? Yeah. It's very thin, it's very yes. flat. It was even more so. And um, it was only the next day, you know, I slept on it. And the next day I woke up and I promised myself I'm never touching relaxer again. Mm. Just something in me told me to stop. Mm. Um, but I didn't know at that point what that meant. Mm. You know, if I'm not relaxing my hair, then what else mm, is there to yeah. do? What do I do with my hair then? Um, by then I hadn't seen my own natural hair since I was about six years old. Mm. So I couldn't even remember what it looked like what it felt like. Mm. Um, I had no knowledge of how to take care of it, nothing. 
So when I told my husband, he's just like, okay, that's cool. But what are you going to do? And I said, I have no idea. So that's when I started researching. I went online um, and I started looking for ideas of what I could do without, you know, how, how to style my hair, how to take care of my hair without relaxing it. Mm. And I stumbled on this, you know, community, which at the time was very much localized to the U.S. Yes. Online. And um, a lot of the, the women there, you know, they were celebrating their hair. They were talking about what they do and everything. And I, was, I felt so inspired. And I said, that's what I need to do. You know, mm. I keep it natural, um, but I learn how to take care of it, not necessarily always keep it in braids or keep it yeah, in yeah. I wanted to start learning how to basically get reacquainted with my hair. Mm. So that's how it started. Um, so... But at the same time, there was so much information. Mm. And I had a little notebook that I wrote all of this information. This is what you do. This is how you do it, etc. But it wasn't very practical because mm. um, I couldn't document all of the information that I was seeing, the videos, the photos yeah. in a book. And that's how I started my blog. Okay. So um, my blog basically was a, you know online documentation of my hair journey the things that it liked, the things that it didn't like, what worked, what didn't work, styles. Um, I was in my bedroom taking photos of my hair just before the selfie became mm, a thing. Mm. Um, and uh, it was just really just for me. Um, but when I started telling a couple of my friends about it, they were very interested and they were intrigued and they were just like, okay, well, can you share the link with me? Because at that point it was private. Yeah. Um, they asked if I could share the link with them. So one friend became two friends, became four friends, and they all had the password. Um, they all subsequently went natural after seeing me, you know, yeah, yeah. dealing with my hair and how, how to style it and everything. And um, about maybe about seven, eight months in, one of my really good friends told me, Aisha, you need to share this with people. Mm. You know, it's helping me so much. Um, she cut her hair off a few, um, a few months after I went natural. And she wanted to do it to be an example to her daughter. Her okay. daughter, she just had her daughter. I think she was less than a year old by then. Mm. And she realized that she couldn't tell her daughter that her hair as it was, was beautiful. Her mommy always wore yes. straight hair. Uh, so she did it so that she could be an example to her mm. daughter. And, um, and she used my, my experience to help her along. So she was the one who really encouraged me to just make it public. She said, if you're helping me, imagine how many other women you could be helping. Yeah. Just by showing that natural hair in its, um, you know, sort of African kinkiness mm. um, can be beautiful. It can be smart. It can be sexy. It mm. can be a lot of the adjectives that, are, you know, traditionally are not associated, really associated with. with natural hair. And so that's when I, I made my blog public in 2012. And I guess, as they say, the rest is history. Yeah. You know, because I think you started at a time when it was still very new in yeah. South Africa. Yeah. Um, and I think which is why yours came up first in my search. Right. Um, but also, I was having a conversation with one of our previous guests about how our hair symbolizes who we are. Yes. And as South Africans, we have been taught that straight hair is the right way yeah. because you look prettier and yeah. it makes you seem a little more feminine. Yes. When the truth is, we were never introduced to what our real hair can right. actually do for us. Yeah, yeah. And I was going through some of my mom's pictures in the 80s. She had a fro and rocked that fro, you know, like yeah. nobody's business. But yeah. the minute I went naturally, it was like, 
what, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, don't do this. But yeah. I find our experiences are very similar in, in the sense where something usually goes very wrong because we are adding chemicals and then we yeah. find out that we can do something yeah. that is actually us. Right. How do you identify the change in your, in your hair from what it was to what it is now? Um, how do you relate that to who you are as a person? Has it made you see yourself more or, or recognize yourself in a different way? Um, and was there some attachments to having straight hair, which is why you were so like insisting it needed to be relaxed? Yeah, I mean, the attachment to straight hair, that's, I think that's a story almost every black girl in the world mm. can talk to. Mm. Um, and it, it really does come down to the way I see it. It comes down to our history, whether it's South African history. I'm originally from Tanzania. Mm. And even there, it's, you know, if you're natural, it's sort of like, okay, what happened? <laughs> you know, um, if you cut your hair, especially if you cut your hair and you go natural, it's almost like you can't afford to do your hair. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's a very, um, I guess for, for me, how I understand it is almost the remnants of colonialism. Mm. You know, like you said, I mean, the message is still the same, but yes. how, um, how that message was taught to us, you know, in the different areas of the world might have been different but the message is the same, same yeah. that you know beauty to be beautiful to be considered desirable mm -hmm. by men uh boys men um you know at the workplace or you know to be taken seriously mm -hmm. you know you shouldn't be distracting people with your hair you should um you know almost assimilate to that notion of you know straight haired beauty yes. um and that that's from hair texture to skin color mm. to accent to there's so many things yes. about um being african that that i i believe that we have been almost uh i think maybe brainwash might be a, a harsh word well it's you the know truth, though. but you know uh, we we've been told that to be african is, is less than yeah it's less than it's not considered as you know good etc mm. so the closer we are to that standard of beauty that beauty ideal the more mm. eurocentric kind the better you know so that's something that i think i always i knew but it was very subliminal mm. it was almost um covered up in a way and i think when i became natural um, I started really realizing and noticing that from how people reacted to me to how people assumed that I was a certain kind of person mm. because I chose to wear my hair natural. Yeah. Um, that, you know, I, I don't know, I'm a, I was a bit of a kumbaya kind of person. <laughs> They'll be surprised. You do yoga. That, yeah. Would they be surprised that I listen to Beyonce? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Other kind of music or, you know, even the fact that I'm married to a white man. Yeah. That is something that a lot of people, they kind of look at me as if they've tried to put me in a box. And when I don't sort of fit into that box, that expectation, they sort of almost take offense mm. or they get confused. Because um, they want you to stick to the status quo yes. and what they're comfortable exactly. with. Exactly. Because I find also, I've been judged a lot for my hair, mainly because people don't understand why I've done it. Right. I spoke about it a couple of days ago in one of my posts. Mm. The reason I stopped relaxing my hair was because I needed to find my identity. And I used to change my hair every three months yeah. because emotionally there were things I couldn't control. Yeah. So I tried to control them externally. Yes. But I started to notice that things were getting out of hand and I was not handling my internal issues. Right. Um, but something that you mentioned, 
mentioned about so your husband being white, I, do you feel like people are surprised because they would expect him to want someone with straight hair because it seems to be the norm for what people expect the norm should be when yeah. I, I think it's just the way we've been taught to believe. Yeah, I think there is some of that actually now that you've said that. Mm. Um, I think there's, it, it's, because the, at the end of the day, I don't really know. Mm. You know, I can speculate why people are surprised. I think maybe because, first of all, it's not as common, obviously, mm. as same race couples. Yeah. Um, secondly, also in the context of South Africa, mm. um, a lot of the times I do get the question of when, when people find out that, you know, I have a white husband, they automatically ask, but is he South African? Almost okay. with the, with the uh, I guess, um, the, the underlying question is, if he's from another country, then I can understand. And for me, I link that back to the history. Yeah. So I understand in the context of, you know, the, the country and the history, etc. it's not necessarily something that people would expect. Mm. But then over and above that, there is that possibility, like you said, that if he's white, then maybe he wants or expects me to look a certain way and that's closer yeah. to the sort of, you know, more Eurocentric look. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing, you know, and, and some, some men, whether they're white, black, colored or not, mm. they still want their wives or their girlfriends straight to have straight hair, hair yes. you know. But just as you have some other men, you know, black men who would prefer their, their wives, their partners to have their own kinky hair, mm. my husband's the same, mm. you know. For him, it was very much a thing of, I want you to feel beautiful. Mm. I want you to go on it. If you're going on this journey of self-discovery and, and things like that, then, then go ahead. If that's going to make you feel happier, mm. more whole, more connected to your you know, heritage, mm. he was a-okay with it. Because he loves you. Because he loves me. You he know? didn't fall in love with me mm. because of my hair yeah. or my looks. He fell in love with me. But I yeah. find traditionally in South Africa, the problem is because we were segregated for so long, yeah. we have developed elite systems in our different communities yes. and I find that in our colored community if I told people that I had Shangani heritage they'd be shocked really? because I the first question I get asked is are you from Cape Town I'm ah. like that is such like why would you automatically assume yes. no I my mom is a Shangani yeah um, and I might not be dark-skinned or whatever but I have Shangani family in Pumalanga yeah. Yeah. it still makes me as African as yes. ever yes. regardless and I prefer to have my hair natural because I like the connection to my heritage mm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Um, I want to move on to something that we spoke about on Saturday at the event that yeah. we at, were at. You, I love the videos you and your husband have been sharing these days. You, you are actually sharing a lot, I think, of what South Africa is afraid to talk about. Yeah. Um, and because no matter how much we deny this, the racial topic just never gets addressed correctly. Mm. And I feel like because you guys are, are married and I mean, you're, the relationship journey, you guys should watch Hoplog. <laughs> Your relationship journey for me is amazing. Thank I you. love the long distance thing and how he was just like, you know what? I'm going to do this with you because yeah. I'm going to be with you. I don't yeah. really care. Um, and, and now with Kai and all of this, we were talking about living in an age where my children are going to go to different schools. Now mm. we're not segregated anymore. Mm. My kids grow up in a different environment. Yeah. And they're most likely going to come home with a different race, which I definitely don't have a problem with. I went right. to a school where everyone was my friend. Um, I dated everyone, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're going to come home one day with maybe someone who is Chinese, mm. you know, I won't mind because I think the baby's really cute, <laughs> 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 you know, but yeah. 
not all of our family think the same yes. way. Yeah. And we can't change those yeah. people. But addressing the topic with them is a difficult thing because we don't want to still have an honest conversation mm. about where we are. It's like mm. the same topic with, with um, LGBTI. We don't yeah. want to talk about where we actually are yeah. emotionally or how we think or how we feel about it. Right. Um, what has your response been like talking about your relationship with your husband? Oh, that's a good question. Um, generally, it's been really positive. Mm. It has been, um, especially on my, I, I'd say, Instagram, you know, mm. platform. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I get nothing but love on Instagram. You know, whether it's the public comments or it's the DMs, mm. um, you know, people are always really appreciative of seeing us, mm. of seeing uh, the three of us as well, mm. me, my husband and my son together. Um, they love it, you know, and I think what's really great about um, that community is that they see beyond, you know, um, they see that it's not just one of those, I don't know how to explain it. I hope our conversation today holds some value for you. Please share and comment on this video. And if you have any suggestions, please email them to info at owningthislife.co.za. I've seen uh, the three of us as well, me, my husband and my son together. Um, they love it, you know, and I think what's really great about um, that community is that they see beyond you know, um, they see that it's not just one of those, I don't know how to explain it. Um, they see that race isn't like such a major factor in our relationship. Yeah. It's not the re it's not, it's never been um, a sort of point of friction mm. for us. You know, um, it's always been other things. Like you mentioned, we did long distance, yeah. you know, um, and, and, and being, you know, in different countries and, and all of that. But when it came to race, it was never and it never has been an issue mm. for us in you know, our relationship. Um, YouTube, however, is a different beast, I have to say. Um, as much as I do get more love, we get more love then hate, the mm. hate is still there. Mm. The um, maybe misunderstanding, confusion, and pure, just hate in, mm. you know, um, in its purest form. It's trolls, but it's also, and this is the thing, um, I recently mentioned it on my Instagram that, uh, you know, I recently posted a video and this was a video that had nothing to do with race. Mm. It was just us telling our story mm. and where we met and all of that. Um, we didn't even mention that we were in an interracial marriage. And so um, someone went and wrote a whole paragraph about, um, you know, us and my husband and, you know, all of these just really horrible yeah. things. Um, nothing that someone would ever dare say to me in mm. person or say to him in person. Mm. But obviously with the internet, they, you know, people get courage out of somewhere, you know, it's the courage of they can hide behind it. Um, and he, he said what he said. And, you know, normally when I get um, comments that, you know, are, are, are a bit hurtful or, um, you know, condescending or whatever it is, negative comments, I usually delete and move on. Mm. But this one was one of those that I thought, wow, I need to keep this up for a little bit. Mm. Just so people who are under the um, sort of, I guess, uh, 
fantasy they're under a fantasy that we you know people always talk about we live in a post-racial society mm. and you know they refer to slavery as oh but slavery happened all centuries ago and you know apartheid doesn't happen like it's it's over mm. and 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 but it's like just because legally uh racism is you know is, yeah. is illegal doesn't mean that it doesn't exist that exactly. poof all of a sudden it's, it's gone. gone and that everybody is as progressive mm. as we are it's it, it's nice to think that way but mm. unfortunately it's not the case um because whenever i have mentioned that you know when we walk down the street or we go to the restaurants or whatever we're out in public always get stares mm. so whenever i've shared that with people with friends with colleagues or whatever they always think oh no surely that they're not looking because of that and it's there's almost a denial yeah that there is still this underlying and sometimes even very overt mm. racism and that racism is a very it's it's a wide spectrum mm. i think that a lot of people deny or you know say that you know i'm not racist or they deny racism because they think it's the it's the only way you can be racist is the extreme mm. you know that you will but you can be subtle about it as well you can well. be very subtle mm. you can be very subtle and for me that's what i wanted to just almost show people mm. that no this guy did not you know physically harm me and my child he didn't necessarily threaten our lives or anything like mm. that which i think a lot of people think about when someone's a racist it's yeah, that's that what extreme. we see on facebook but they don't right. know what's happening behind the scenes exactly yeah so so i i left that on just so people can see that no it's very much still mm. alive and these same people and the reason why i was saying yes they're trolls but they're also our kids teachers you know mm. they are also our colleagues and they're hidden they in places are, you would least expect exactly it's not like they're they're down in some random mm. untouchable unattainable place they're people that we see every day that we come and across sometimes every day. it's those subtle comments i can totally relate to what you're saying because i was one of five kids in an in, in a thousand I mean, a school, it has a thousand kids, yeah. but I was one of five non-white children in the yeah. school because yeah. I had to go to the remedial school. It was the only one at the time. Right. And the kind of racial slurs we would get, like, yeah. in passing yeah. um, was to the point where my parents had to take me out of the school. Mm. Um, and even now as an adult, you remember, you know when you walk into a room yes. and yeah. you know why people you are know. looking at you. Yeah. And here's the funny thing. People think, oh, you only get it from white people. Yeah. You get it from everyone, yeah. even your own race. Mm. So someone would, for instance, see me do something that is typically not the colored thing to do. Yeah. And then you get a judgment. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> and then I'm like, but... Yeah. Why does that even matter mm. at the end of the day? Um, and South Africa, I think South Africa thinks they've moved on from this issue, but because we're not talking about it, it's not going anywhere. Right. Because obviously on social media in the last few months in particular, anything happens, yeah. it, uh, race, uh, it gets addressed first. Yes. So yes. obviously it's so deeply ingrained yeah. in, in the way that we live. Right. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is, so you've been married for how long now? We've been married for four years. Yeah. This is our fifth year of marriage. And and Kai is now two. Yeah, he's turning three in July. He's turning three. Yeah. What you spoke about being a mother. Yeah. And one of your blog posts was about balance and how balance doesn't exist. Yes. And I know in recent months it's been coming a lot up with mothers, especially us who are busy. Yeah. Um to try and find what balance actually is. Mm. What is your version of Okay, but balance doesn't really exist, but what is your idea of finding yourself in comparison with being a wife and having a son and then doing all the amazing things that you do as well? Um, 
I think for me, a big thing was uh, figuring out this whole mom guilt thing once and for all. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> um, yeah, and so now I can honestly say that I don't feel it, mm. you know. Um, it, it's, it's a different kind of, I don't know how to explain this. It's almost a different kind of guilt. The, the guilt that I used to have was, you know, about I have to work and I have to do this. And I have to do all these other things as well as be your mom. Be your mom. Mm. And that made me, that makes a lot of us feel guilty mm. because it's almost the expectation is that you put being a mother first above mm. everything else. But by doing that, you can do that. But it doesn't mean that everything else shouldn't exist at all either, yes. right? So yes, while you know my son is my priority, it doesn't mean that every single minute of my day has to be spent on him. Mm. Um, men don't feel dad guilt. Why Which not? Not fair. They don't. <laughs> Do you, and, and the reason why they don't feel it is because it's not. They are not expected. It, to be the no, homemaker. Yeah, there's yes. no expectation. The expectation for dads traditionally is to provide. Yes. So if he's out providing and he's, he's doing working, what he should. He's doing what he should do. Mm. So for me, when I realize that, hang on a minute, if my income is of worth, mm. what I do is of worth to the family. Mm. If I stopped working, um, if I didn't get that paycheck, mm. we can't pay our mortgage. You know, mm. my son doesn't go to school. Mm. So if I'm also providing, why should I feel guilty about it? Mm. If I know that my, my child is able to go to the doctor because my income pays for our medical aid, mm. then why should I feel guilty about being able to give that to my child? Yes. So for me, when I started thinking of it that way, the guilt it wasn't even an issue anymore. You won't believe how much this topic has been coming up lately. So I attended a mother's event this weekend yeah. and one of the moms was so adamant about this mom guilt thing because she can't resonate who she is separate from being a mother. Right. And I find that many of us have that problem. I've been a mother since I, I was 19. Mm. So my identity was mother yes. and then wife. Yes. Who I was was nowhere in the right. picture. Yeah. Um, and so I asked on my Instagram a couple of days ago, what do you feel you need to be spending on self-care compared to taking care of your family. Right. And I got a very few responses, but people don't respond because I have a lot of kids. So in their head, all my money should be spent on caring for my kids yeah. 100% yeah. and I should yeah. come second best. Yeah. So when I have this makeup, uh, Instagram picture, whatever, people are like, should you be doing all that? Mm. Like, and then you have your kids telling you to change your pants too, you know? <laughs> Do you feel like there's going to be a point where we don't send these expectations further down the line, down the generations? Because I don't want to teach my kids that you're expected to be a certain way. You need yeah, to be yeah. you first before right. you become anything else. Right. Um, I'm hopeful. I don't think we're there yet. Mm. I don't think we're even close, mm. to be honest. But I'm hopeful that in a few generations, I think, honestly, I think our generation of mothers, mm. us who are, who are raising the young ones now, when our children look at us and they see that, you know, we care for ourselves, mm. we do things that we enjoy, that fulfill us, mm. separate to being a mother, mm. I think that is already the beginning. Mm. You know, you have a daughter, you know, and I have a son. And with, with girls, she, you know, she, your daughter will see you and say, okay, that's, 
that's what it's like to be a mom. Mm. You know, we're the first examples of how we should be as parents, mm. you know, um, or how they should be as parents, rather, if they decide to be, to be parents. And so my son will also grow up seeing mommy, seeing how daddy is totally okay with mommy going to have lunch with her girlfriend. Yeah. You know, because my husband isn't one of those husbands who's like, I expect you to be here at a certain uh, time yeah. and I want you to always make sure that you, my husband is a-okay with my kid. Mm. I'm, I'm not at, you know, at lunch with my friends calling in to see, have you done this? Have you done that? Have you made sure that he's eaten? Have you are, you, sure? are you babysitting? Because dads babysitting don't babysit. Because he's, <laughs> excuse me, he's your child just as exactly. much as he's mine. I'm working just as much as you are. I'm bringing in, you know, an income. So it's one of those things that when my... My husband understands that I can't, they cannot fulfill me 100%. Yes. He gets that. And mm. I get that from him. And so I don't expect that mm. of him. So he, we give each other that space mm. to chat with our friends. If he needs a boy's drink, go ahead, babe. I've got things covered and vice versa. Mm. And I think when we realized that and when we came to that, you know, almost understanding with each other, we expected so much less of, of each one other. another. And so we weren't able to disappoint each other so mm. much. Whereas before when we were, you know, I put him like this, like, you know, I expect you to go, go to work, come back home, spend all of your time with me. And then when he, he would never be able to live up to that and vice versa, then that's where the disappointment comes. And a lot of that expectation is, is not expressed. Yes. Because yes, I was listening yeah. to a video from John Fertig. He was talking about it last night yeah. about expectation that we have of people and of ourselves, but we don't ever verbalize no. them. So we are disappointed internally yes. yeah. and just not communicating. And then we get passive aggressive. You and know, we, you know. And we Bold a fence, yeah. not just offense, a fence. He actually demonstrated <laughs> the fence, which is really cool to me. But um, I, I 100% get that because, funny enough, I've been married for 12 years. Yeah. I'm literally only learning this lesson now. Because wow. in my head, I had, I mean, you know, we get told these fairy tale stories yeah. and we watch the movies of how yes. love is supposed to be. Yeah. So we, be, we make ourselves believe that this is the love I am yeah. expected to yeah. have. I'm going to work for this love. Yes. He must provide it. Right. You know, and for all my marriage, I was running for that goal yeah. and not finding what my marriage needed to look like yeah. in its uniqueness, yeah. like a fingerprint mm. um and that is is, is is something i think all people who are getting married or getting ready to get married need to look at am i getting into this thing to 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 let him drive the car and i'm just gonna stare at him and say yes you drive that way yeah. drive that way you know navigate yeah. and i'll just stage you or find our own driving force yes. and then do that yeah. um but the journey has been interested and i've learned a lot of things but in closing, because I feel like we will talk forever, <laughs> um, what are the lessons you've learned from being a new mom, um, especially in the day and age that we're in? Um, you're from Tanzania, you live in South Africa, you're married to a South African. Yeah. With all of the combinations of things, what is it that you've learned being a new parent and what do you think the lessons he is going to learn from both of you? Wow, that's a big question. Um, do I have to pick one thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, a couple of lessons. Firstly, that I am important. Oh, yes. I'm important. Um, if I am not okay, my family's not going to be okay. Mm. And just going back to what you were talking about with the self-care, for me, that's why when, if people do judge me, it, you know, it's water off my back mm. because I know I had tried, I tried the traditional way mm. of 
you know, putting everyone's needs above mine. Mm. And I cracked. I couldn't do it. Um, I'm just not that person. Mm. I think some women are made to be that way. Mm. Great. But a lot of women are forced to be that way. Yes. And it goes against the core of who they are. Mm. Sorry, I'm touching <laughs> It goes against the core of who they are. Mm. And, um, and so you would find that a lot of women in the past, you know, our grandmothers, our great-grandmothers were probably suffering. But because they didn't have that safe space to mm. express themselves, they didn't really have their own sense of identity. Yes. They couldn't actually say, hey, I need a bit of help here. Mm. Or, you know, um, I'm, I'm not handling this very well. Mm. So it, was always, it always manifested in some other ways. Um, and believe it or not, your kids will pick up on it yes. somehow. If, even if you don't necessarily expressly say, um, I'm struggling, I'm, mm. I have depression, I'm anxious or whatever it is, they will pick up on that energy mm. and somehow it'll, you know, come it back manifests. to, yeah, it'll almost come back to bite you, mm. you know, uh, maybe when they're older, etc. So one thing that I definitely realized when I became a mom is that I am important. Mm. Um, and I can take care of so many other people, but no one is really going to take care of me mm. if I don't take care of me. And I think that's the truth with a lot of mothers because mm. we put ourselves at the bottom of the list. Yes. So daddy's okay, kids are okay, mothers are okay, in-laws, etc. And But who's looking out for me and then we eventually like having a nervous breakdown and can't understand why i don't understand why yes. so that's a huge huge lesson and then the other thing um about kai and what he i hope he learns from is that he is important mm. so just as people society family etc have placed these expectations on me as a mother i feel that as parents we do the same to our kids mm. We expect them to be a certain way, to, to act a certain way, <laughs> yes. to become certain people and almost pushing aside what they want mm. and what they think or believe, you know, um, they are. So I want him to see that just as mommy is a person on her own, daddy is a person on his own. Mm. We are fulfilled by a combination of things. Mm. It's not only him as our son mm. but he's a massive part of it mm. and the same for him that mommy's not going to be there all the time yes. daddy's not going to be there all the time and that's okay mm. and he i hope that he sees that as a person he is of value mm. as he is as random as he is <laughs> as silly as he is as adventurous mm. and curious and all of those things those are all good things mm. and my job as his parent is to nurture that and make sure that he's the best version of himself that he can be. I love that. We all need to teach our children that they come from their own box. We can't yeah. fit them in the box that our grandparents used yes. to be in. Because we don't fit in those boxes. <laughs> exactly. I think I burnt mine. <laughs> but thank you so much thank for you. indulging me. Um, because I kind of bombarded you on Saturday. I was like, hey, <laughs> hiya. Um, but I'm so glad I had an opportunity to speak to you. And exactly about the topic that I was talking to you about. Yeah. Um, it's such a blessing to know that there are people who understand what it is they want for their lives and for their children's lives and really don't care what opinion says. Yeah. Um, it's refreshing because it's difficult to be surrounded by people who have the same mindset as you. But I'm, I'm really... Um, I know that your people can be blessed just from you being here and who learn things that they really needed to know. Um, but thank you so much for your thank time. You. Thanks for coming for all the me. way. <laughs> 
thank you for your shares and your your comments and please let us know what you think and any suggestions you can email us on info at owningthislife.co.za